if you guys don't know, I guess I'll go ahead and introduce it. I don't know if Kevin's here, but we're going to try to, going forward, have themes for, I think, the month um, so that for you guys, it'll be easier to kind of latch on to certain topics, right? We realize that when we come here and that when we preach, we'll ask you guys, like, okay, what did you learn last week? Or what did Kevin preach last week? What did Patricia preach last week? And nobody's really taking notes. A lot of people don't remember. And so we're hoping that by clustering some of these sermons under specific topics and themes, that it will stick with you guys a little bit more, okay? So I want you guys to pay close attention to what we speak about today, because next week, I'm sure the preacher is going to also ask you guys what you learned and what you're able to take with you, what you're able to apply, okay? So for this month, for the month of October, I believe we're going to be discussing conflict resolution, and that looks like, it looks like several different things. But specifically today, I'm going to be talking about forgiveness, okay? And it's a very, very important topic. It's a very, very powerful topic. And even though we're young, right, and we may not necessarily feel like it's something that we have to exercise, I do want to remind you guys today how important it is, why it's important, and how we might be able to use it in our lives, okay? So if you have your Bibles, let's turn it to uh, Philemon's chapter one and it's just Philemon it's a very very it's I think the shortest scripture in the Bible it's before Hebrews and it's after Titus and Titus is after second Timothy so turn your Bibles to Philemon and it doesn't even have chapters because it's literally just one page it's a letter um, from Paul so let's turn our Bibles there and just say amen when you're there It's Philemon, so it's P-H-I-L-E-M-O-N. You guys there? You guys there yet? Yes? Amen? All right, let's just give a few more minutes for a few others to get there. It's after Titus, and it's before the book of Hebrews. So if you can find Hebrews, just go all the way to the beginning, and then flip the page back, you'll find Philemon. Are we there? Okay. I know, it's kind of hard to find. We found it. Okay, all right, so Philemon is uh, probably the shortest, I'm pretty sure it is the shortest um, uh, what is it called? scripture, so to speak. It's the shortest, what is it called? Not the chapter, it's the shortest. Oh, thank you. It is the shortest book in the Bible. And it's the shortest book because it's really just a letter. Sometimes the Bible calls it an epistle from Paul to a specific character in the Bible named Onesimus. I'm very bad with pronunciation, so just bear with me, okay? We're gonna read this letter here that Paul wrote, 
and then we're going to kind of break it down to understand what it is that Paul wants us as believers to take from it. Because this, you'll notice in this, this particular letter, um, Paul, unlike a lot of his other letters to the churches in the New Testament, he doesn't really talk about Christ per se. He just is, you know, asking a favor from this one individual. Um, so a lot of people think it's just very random or arbitrary that this scripture or this passage will be in the Bible. But it is here for a reason, and that's what we're going to break down and try to take away here. So it's Philemon. It starts off, I'm living from the New Living Translation. It says, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Apia, and to our fellow soldier, our Kipnas, and to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Verse eight. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could remand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. Consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. Verse 10, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus, I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. Verse 13, I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems Onesimus ran away for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Verse 17, so if you consider me your partner, Welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me uh, your very soul. Verse 20. Yes, my brother, please do this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing, please prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. So I'm going to end it there because it kind of goes over really what the bulk of this sermon is about, okay? So just to give some context and some background, 
Paul is, has been arrested and Paul is in prison, okay? And back in those days, the only way really for you to communicate with the outside world, um, whether you were in prison or whether you were not in prison was writing letters. And so you'll see specifically in this section of the Bible, Paul is writing a lot of letters to several different churches, okay? But Paul is currently incarcerated in Rome. And if the Bible is not like very clear, very specific about how this happens, but it seems to insinuate that at some point while Paul is in prison, he comes across this man, um, and his name is Onesimus, okay? He comes across Onesimus, and it's not clear whether or not like maybe Onesimus had already been imprisoned and they bumped into each other in jail, or if um, Onesimus like, because Onesimus knew he had a problem with his master and he knew that his master knew Paul, he went to go find Paul. It's just, it's not very clear. But the, ba the Bible just basically says that they came into contact, Paul and Onesimus, and through that, Paul is able to essentially convert Onesimus, okay? And the Bible says that Onesimus becomes very useful to Paul, right? So in all the things that Paul is able to do, even though he's confined to like a prison, he is still able to write to these churches and spread the gospel, and he uses people like Onesimus to help him do that. So Paul, kind of understanding the history and the background of Onesimus, realizes that before any further action takes place in terms of Paul either utilizing Onesimus or Onesimus like going back and doing it, you know, proclaiming the gospel outside of the prison, that there has to be some sort of reconciliation between Onesimus and Philemon, okay? And Philemon, the Bible also seems to insinuate, is probably a wealthy man at the time, and Paul was able to convert Philemon, and Philemon basically sort of houses this church, right? And I believe it's the, I, I believe it's the church of Colossae. I could be wrong, but don't quote me on that. Um, but Philemon basically, um, he, he invites people to his house and he sort of heads the church there where they continue to spread the gospel. And so he's, he's very wealthy, he's a master, and somebody like him during his day and age would have had a lot of indentured servants or slaves, okay? So essentially, um, Onesimus was a slave of Philemon, okay? Are you guys following me? Okay, so Philemon is who the, the Bible is, is titled after. He is the owner, right, of this house, and at one point he owned Onesimus because Onesimus was a slave, okay? So Philemon was his master, all right? And I think what we're able to gather, because Paul later in this letter says, if there's anything that Onesimus owes you, like, I will repay it, right? So it kind of also insinuates that um, Onesimus basically stole maybe from his master and then ran away, okay? So there was some sort of contention or issue that caused the separation now between these two brothers in Christ. And Paul being so mindful about, about his writings to the different churches, wanted to write a specific letter to Philemon, right? And he wanted this letter to sort of set the stage as an example to us as believers. 
about what it looks like to forgive, right? And why forgiveness is so important. And moreover, why it's so important for us to forgive as people in the body of Christ, okay? And so he's, first of all, he comes, the, the way that Paul approaches Philemon is he's like, look, there's, there's kind of a hierarchy even to the, like, like working in the body of Christ. And so Paul is this well-renowned teacher, even though he's in prison, and uh, Philemon sort of works under him. So Paul, at one point, kind of indicates, look, I could command you to do this, and, and you would. But he's like, look, I'm going to take a different approach, and I'm really going to like talk it out with you. I'm going to like write it out to you and ask, rather, for you to take this on. Okay, and I want you guys to pay close attention to that because like this is like parallels a lot of what's happening in our faith as believers, like what the whole gospel is all about, right? Is that we have a God, we have a Christ who sort of stepped in, right? Understanding that there's this enmity, so to speak, between our creator, our maker, and us, right? And he realizes that like by by Christ sort of stepping in and asking God, right? Not even as a favor, but just just as a, um, as a way to display his love for his people, right? To forgive us. And so Christ sort of puts himself um, on display and he pays the price, right? For reconciliation with God. But in this sense, it's like Paul is kind of doing the same thing, but specifically he's saying, look, this is a guy that I know and I understand has wronged you. This is somebody who most likely stole from you, but he's like, look, I'm in prison, I bumped into this guy, and he's a changed man, okay? This guy has been so useful, he's helped me here, and now I'm sending him back to you because he's now gonna be useful to the both of us, right? But before we can use this person, before we can all sort of kumbaya, like get back together, get back to doing God's work, there has to be an element of forgiveness that is established, right? Because I'm sure you guys know how difficult, how challenging it is to work with somebody or to even be around somebody that you're really upset with, somebody who you haven't forgiven, right? It's like you treat them differently, right? You think like, like you may talk to them and like pretend like you're cool, but really at the end of the day, you know you have this issue with them that you haven't resolved. And so you really have this like grudge that you're holding on to and it affects your relationship with this person. Paul doesn't want that to happen here between Philemon and Onesimus. And so he writes to uh, um, Philemon and he says, look, he's changed. I've worked with him, he's great. Now I need you to take him back, okay? Now, the thing that's important to understand is, especially with this context, is that in this era, in this time, specifically here when Paul is in prison, when somebody, especially a slave, right, steals from you or they have wronged you, according to the laws of this time, you had every right to punish them, you had every right probably to imprison them or even kill them, right? Depending on, of, of, depending on how severe, right, um, their crime was, all right? And so not only is Paul asking Philemon to do away with all of the punishment that is justified to this servant Onesimus, but he's asking Philemon to take Onesimus back in, so forgive him, and not only that, 
but take him in as a brother in Christ, okay? Which is a huge asking for somebody at that time. And so what do we what do we learn from that? Like, what are we supposed to do with this, right? The Bible is, is, is very clear and very direct about God's instructions to us as believers, but this is just a letter from one prisoner, one believer, to the next believer. So what are we supposed to do with this, right? I wholeheartedly believe that this letter was included in scripture and included in the Bible to remind us, to encourage us, and to emphasize to us why it's important for us to forgive one another, why it's important for us as believers to exercise forgiveness every single day. Like, I don't know if you guys realize this, but when you, when you don't forgive somebody or you hold a grudge, when you hold a grudge against somebody, you really are hurting yourself. You guys, you guys know that? Do you believe that? Like, you're really hurting yourself. I don't remember who quoted this, but, but there is a quote that says, um, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Like, it just... It, it just doesn't it, it does it just doesn't work right you can't expect yourself to be able to move on and to be able to thrive or to be able to say that you're a believer and that you're exercising the things of the faith when you're not able to forgive your brother or your sister in Christ okay and one really important sort of analogy you can think about is you know snakes bite right and when some snakes bite you right they have venom that they will then inject inside of you and that venom will kill you right that's kind of how it is when you're dealing with somebody and you feel like you want to get them back or you feel like you're not willing to forgive them it's like a snake biting you right and instead of stopping to to try to like suck the venom out of you so that you don't die Unforgiveness is like going after that snake, right? Just continuing to pursue the snake or gonna try to maybe kill the snake, not realizing that as that venom is inside of you, it's, it's continuing to kill you, right? And so now you've shifted your attention away from healing yourself or maybe like bettering yourself, removing that hate, removing that unforgiveness to just pursuing something that ultimately is going to lead to your demise right? The Bible is warning us against that, right? The Bible wants us to be able to understand the value that comes with forgiving people, right? And, and a really, really important thing to remember, especially because I know some, some of the prayer requests that we had uh, was in regards to, you know, a lot of school fightings, right? A, a lot of, um, it sounds like a lot of issues at schools where people are not able to resolve their conflict the way that they should be, right? As believers, that is not our portion at all, right? We have the tools, we have the utilities to be able to successfully reconcile ourselves with individuals who we might have problems with, okay? And so one of the ways that we do that, let's say you do get into an argument with somebody, right? Is to think about and to consider how much power you have as a person, how much, how much power you hold as an individual to try to resolve the conflict, right? Don't just allow things to happen to you, right? Yeah, you get into it with somebody, there's a lot of back and forth, but you are not like, 
you're not, you don't have to respond to them in a very reactive manner, right? It's not like somebody has all of a sudden pushed a button on you and all of a sudden you re react in anger or you get volatile and you get really aggressive. Like, people are like, oh, that's just how I am. I mean, that could be how you are, but it's also how you choose to be, right? You have a lot of power within you as an individual to be able to decide how am I going to respond in this situation? How am I going to react in this situation? And so ordinarily, without thinking about it, your impulse is to get violent. And the snake bites you, your impulse is to go after it, kill it. Your impulse when somebody offends you is to get upset or to try to retaliate or to try to get them back, right? But we are really instructed as believers to be a little bit smarter than just reacting, right? Like to use our brains, right? That's what separates us from animals, right? Animals don't have that sort of uh, freedom to, to, I mean, they have kind of free will, but they don't have that ability to really think things out and to decide like, like what makes the most sense in this situation, right? They can't reason the way human beings can be, right? And so when you take a step back from the situation, and it doesn't have to take you a while, you can think about it in a split second and ask yourself, how do I want to respond to this? How would Christ expect me to respond to this, right? And normally, that's just you making a decision not to retaliate. It's you making a decision not to get after this person because of something they did. Because, you know, the Bible also makes it very clear that we serve a very just God, right? Our, our instruction as believers is to pray for people, right? And, and pray that people will find God and that people will, will fix their lives so that they then can see God, right? But we, we, are never, we are never instructed to go after people, right? That's God's jo job, right? He is the ultimate judge and he will repay everybody what they deserve, right? So when people wrong you or when people offend you, forgive them, right? Not because you're saying I'm letting you get away with it and, and, and that I, I'm not acknowledging what you've done to me, but because you're saying that I'm choosing, right? I'm choosing the better path. I'm choosing what Christ has instructed me to do, knowing that he will handle it, trusting that God will handle it, right? And you guys are in school right now, so I'm sure you deal with it on a daily basis. And you come across people who upset you, mean people, right? Bullies, right? Like, don't ever put yourself in a position where you become like them, right? Don't ever put yourself in a position where you stoop down as low as they do, right? It's very hard to do, but we have to forgive them, right? And I can honestly stand here and say that everybody and anybody who has ever wronged me in my life, like not to sound dramatic at all, but anybody and everybody who's ever wronged me in my life is, um, has either like come to me and apologized at a later time and said like, look, I'm really sorry for this and we've been able to squash it or they're just miserable because the way that they are, the way that they think, the way that they operate, it has nothing to do with me or what I did. It has everything to do with their mindset and how they operate and how they think and how they deal with conflict, right? So I don't want that to be our portion. God doesn't want that to be our portion, right? 
we are instructed to set ourselves apart, right? To not be like the rest of the world and operate the way the rest of the world thinks, okay? A lot of times now, especially on social media, there are all these like pages that are all about love yourself, put yourself first, don't let them do this to you, value your peace, do this and do that. And all of that is very, it's very kind of tricky because if you don't, if you don't take it and, and put it side by side with scripture, you'll almost adopt that as the right way of thinking or the right mentality. You know, cut people off or just be very cold and hostile towards the people who have hurt you and wronged you, right? And people do that. But, but what it ends up doing is it makes them more bitter, right? They go through life and they have this, this bitterness. They, don't, they never really have a sense of peace, right? Because unforgiveness quite literally is like letting someone just like live rent free in your head. It's like every time you see them, you replay the, the scenario or the incident that happens. Every time you see them, like you get a little bit tense because you're frustrated still with what they did. Every time you see them, it puts you in a bad sort of mood or it puts you, it, your energy is just all off. In some cases, you will avoid going to certain places or avoid doing certain things either because it reminds you of the person or because you don't want to bump into the person and then you start dealing with people that may be connected to the person. So now all of a sudden, you don't want to be connected to any of those people. And it just limits you in so many different ways that you don't even realize. Like now, because of something they did, you have restricted your own life, right? You have restricted your own life and you're not able to just live and move about freely the way that you want to, right? And, and so who really wins in that situation? Who really loses, right? God wants us as his children, right, to exercise daily, exercise regularly the practice of forgiveness, right? If our God and our maker can do it with us every single day, whenever we sin, whenever we fall short, if he's able to do that with us, why then are we unable to do it with our brothers and our sisters, right? Does it even seem fair to you to think that some of the things that we have done to God, he's able to forgive us and he's able to renew us day in and day out and give us another opportunity at life and continue to bless us with all the things that we have around us. But because somebody did something to us, oh no, she's cut off or she's dead to me or he's dead to me, right? Or we wanna get aggressive, or we wanna retaliate, we wanna, we wanna do the same thing that they did to us so that they can also feel it, right? That's not biblical. And it's not the way that, that, that Christ, right, wants us to operate. It's not the way that he wants us to live, right? And this letter specifically here is just an example, right? It's an example of how not only did Paul preach and proclaim the gospel during his time, but Paul actually lived it, right? He's encouraging a fellow brother in Christ to receive and accept another person who would have wronged them, right? And I think that's a really important thing for us to keep in mind as well. Some of us are really good mediators. Like some of us get stuck in the middle of conflict between two people, whether it's family members or friends or even church members, right? And our role in that should never be to gaslight any situation or make it worse or like be a double talker and go back and forth and try to instigate and stir up more drama, right? 
our role in that has to be like Christ. Our role in that has to be like Paul, right? Where we try to talk the two people down, the two parties down, and we try to bring about reconciliation, right? We try to bring about that peace, right? Because when we do that, when we exercise that, then in, in a way we're also exercising what the Bible tells us to do, how the Bible instructs us to live as believers, because we know it, right? And, and we come to church and we hear about it and we're like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but when push comes to shove, are you actually going to forgive? right? When push comes to shove, even when it's very difficult and very painful, right? Because I, I don't want to diminish or reduce or try to take away sometimes what people do to us. Like some people are very mean or they're very harsh or they're very insensitive and very just like, they just don't consider our feelings, right? They don't consider the things that they do and how hurtful it is to us, right? And in our sinful flesh, in our sinful human nature, we want to react and we want to respond the way that we just know how, right? But by doing so, we're only hurting ourselves more, right? It's very hard, but it is also like a muscle that you have to exercise and that you have to flex regularly. And the more that you find yourself doing it, the better you find yourself being at it, right? So even if it's like, you don't really know how, just tell yourself, okay, I forgive them. I forgive them. Like, fake it till you make it, until you make it, right? I forgive them, or I forgive you, right? And sometimes you don't even really need a reason to forgive them, other than the fact that it's just what we've been instructed to do, right? Because again, forgiveness isn't always for them, right? Forgiveness, I think people think, is uh, a way of setting people free from the wrong that they have done for us, right? But it's not for them. Forgiveness is for you, right? There's a lot of things, um, I think, like on a biological level, we cannot see about ourselves, right? For instance, if somebody comes to church with a broken leg, then there are things that we may not be able to um, identify with in terms of how that happened or you know that sort of thing. But the person can be very vocal and say, hey, like I fell off the stairs or you know, such and such happened to me, like that's fine. But internally, right, there are ailments and there are sicknesses and there are things that we don't even know about, right? We don't even realize, okay? until they become so big, right? They become threatening to our lives, right? Same sort of thing on the spiritual side, right? There may not be things that as a believer, people can see like, oh, this person has an anger problem, or this person struggles with fornication, or this person, you know, is sins in this area, right? But unforgiveness is one of those really sneaky things where you can be a believer, you can struggle with it, and nobody would know, right? And you wonder why certain things don't work out for you in your life, right? In terms of your relationships with people, you wonder why you're so reactive and you're never able to be sort of proactive or able to have a, like respond in ways that would be fruitful in any sort of circumstance. Like you just, you wonder why you have these, these issues, right? And a lot of times, it just comes down to issues like unforgiveness, right? 
every now and again, I will reflect and I will just, you know, if I, if I come across somebody or if I hear about somebody and I feel some type of way about it, I'll just stop and I'll just say a prayer and I'll just evaluate my heart and I'll evaluate like my insides and, and really ask myself, like, do I really have a problem with this person? And if I do, what is that problem? What is that issue, right? And I'll ask myself whether or not I have truly forgiven this person, right? And forgiveness doesn't mean that you're all buddy-buddy, best friends, you know, going on dates and, you know, doing activities with the person. No, that's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means that I recognize what you did to me and I trust that I am going to be okay, right? I trust that God is going to resolve everything the way that he deems fit. And so I'm going to release you, I'm going to release this situation, and I'm going to move on and I'm going to be happy, right? And if I see you, there's no bad blood, there's no bad energy, right? It's all love, right, at the end of the day. Because when you think about it, everybody is dealing with a battle that we may not be able to see. And half the times, I think, when God asks us to forgive people, it's because he's asking us to recognize that, look, this person may be dealing with something that I don't know about. The issue that I have with this person or the way that they wronged me may not even have anything to do with me, right? Only God can see into people's hearts. We can't, right? So if Francine said something to me that didn't really resonate with me well, I don't know that maybe that morning Francine had spilled coffee on her shirt and she was really upset. Like, I don't know that. Only God knows that, right? And God is not going to be explicit and say, hey, Olivia, like, the reason why Francine did this to you is because she spilled coffee on her shirt that morning. God's not going to do that, right? But what God is going to do, he's going to tell me to just forgive her, right? Because something, something, something is going on sometimes with the person that you don't know, right? that you'll never know, right? But if we can just give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes, right? Not only for them, but for us, for our own sake, for our own peace and our own sanity, then it makes forgiveness worth the while, right? Some people really are struggling with things that if you knew, if you truly knew, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even be mad at the person. You wouldn't even blame the person because you're like, whoa. Like, I didn't know you had it that bad, right? And that's why in conjunction with forgiving people, the Bible instructs us to love on them, right? The Bible says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's huge. That's a huge, really bold request because it's not easy. Why am I supposed to feed the person who has been hurting me? Why am I supposed to offer something to, to drink to the person who has, you know, hurt me? You know what I mean? Like, why, why am I supposed to do that, right? The Bible is very, very clear about why those types of things end up becoming blessings to us, how we reap benefits of that. Not only is our peace of mind, like, so, like, set in stone, but it gives the other person a perspective that perhaps they would have never had before, right? And it's the same thing that we experience as believers, as Christians. We know that we don't deserve this life. We know that we don't deserve to be here. But how incredible is it that even in the midst of our sin, 
even in the midst of our brokenness, we serve a God who still loves us day in and day out, gives us an opportunity to get our lives right with him. Like God's ultimate display of forgiveness is his ultimate display of love for us, right? And for a lot of believers, that is all it takes to change your heart or to melt your heart or to soften your heart, right? Sometimes being the person who throws in the towel or the person who just tries to make amends or the person who just expresses your forgiveness to the other person, it makes the other person take a step back and be like, wow. It really inspires them because you being able to do something that is so difficult or so challenging, the average man can't do it, right? And think about just the concept of sin, right? It's this, this idea that is heavily embedded in people like holding on to things, right? All the wars, all the crimes, all the things that we see happening still today, right? Is people not being able to release others from the wrong that they felt that they experienced, whether when they were children or like just five minutes ago, right? But whenever we're able to show that display of love, when we're able to forgive people, what we inevitably do is that we show people a glimpse of Christ. And we show people that as believers, we're not just talking the talk, right? We are living it and we are walking it. It's difficult because our flesh really wants to do the opposite. Our flesh wants to hate the person and walk away from them and never deal with them ever again. But there is a lot of reward, a lot of peace and a lot that comes with just forgiving the other person and letting them go. So I want us to take that with us. I want us to take it with us when we go to school. I want us to take it with us when we go home, right? When we're dealing with our parents, when we're dealing with our siblings. I want us to carry that with us, right? If nothing else, right? If nothing else, knowing how to love your neighbor, knowing how to display the love of Christ towards your brothers and sisters is doing that in the form of forgiveness, right? It doesn't make you weak, it doesn't make you feeble, and it doesn't make you the dumb person in the situation, right? Forgiveness shows that you're rather the stronger one, right? Because how, how easy is it to forgive? It's not very easy, right? You have to be a very strong person very disciplined person, somebody with a good head on their shoulders to be able to exercise forgiveness. And like I said, the more that you do it, the easier it becomes. And if you want to just take a trial, like just this week, just put a list of people that you feel like have wronged you or people that you're like, I will never talk to them again. Just write their names down and, and, and submit that list to the Lord and say, God, I am releasing these people to you right here and right now. I'm just releasing them to you. I, I don't want to harbor this negativity or th this contentment, right? I want to just let it go. And I release them to you, and I pray, God, that you will help me to forgive them, right? Help me to forgive these people. And then when you walk away from that prayer, believe in your heart and tell yourself that you have forgiven these people. And just watch how your life plays out for the rest of the week. Just, just watch how it's like um, a burden, something really heavy is lifted off of you, right? And there's, there's elements to some of these instructions that the Bible gives us 
that we don't understand. We'll never be able to understand, right? It's so heavily embedded in human nature and, and human laws. But I trust and I believe that if our God is instructing us to do this, then there are benefits to it. And it does do something for us. And so I want you guys to experience it. And I want you guys to exercise it. And I want you to make it a principle in your own life, right? To forgive people. I'm not saying don't get upset. I'm not saying don't get mad, right? You're a human, you have emotions, like it happens, right? But once you're able to release that, take a step and just pray about it. Commit the person in your hands. And sometimes it requires even a conversation. I'm sure after Philemon received this letter, there would have had to be some sort of conversation between him and his servant, right? Just kind of hashing out like where the issues are, right? But effective communication is something that you'll also learn is necessary when you're trying to reconcile your differences with people, right? It's not always, you did this to me and you wronged me and you, 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 you. You just want the person to hear you out so bad that you don't realize that, that, that maybe, like I said earlier, they were dealing with something, right? Or maybe, maybe there's a reason why they acted that way towards you, right? And so that effective communication starts with, like, Help me understand what happened here. Like, help me understand why you said this to me. Help me understand, like, what was going on in your head when this happened, right? Help me understand, right? And it comes from a place of humility, and it comes from a place of love. And by doing that and exercising that regularly, I don't really care how young you are, right? These are habits that you want to establish and grow with. Because by the time you get married, like that's that's gonna be a token, right, of, of a successful marriage, right? By the time you start em employment, like in a real sort of job where you're dealing with nasty coworkers or a nasty boss, right? Every time, I, and again, I cannot make this up. Every time anybody and anyone has ever wronged me at the place that I work, within months they're fired. I don't, even have, I don't even have to say anything. I don't have to do anything. Because again, sometimes people dig themselves their own holes, right? And they might be lashing it out on you today, but tomorrow it's gonna be the same person. It's gonna be, they're gonna release the same thing to the person perhaps who is employing them, right? So you almost have to feel bad for these people, right? You almost have to pray for them. Like God, not only do I forgive them, but clearly they need some help. And so if you would just step in God and help them to become a better person, right? That's that's what we're instructed to do as believers, guys. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not like this this tough, like, you know, nobody can do this to me. No, no, very humble, right? Not to be walked all over, right, like a doormat, but to be very firm in that look, when you do wrong me, I'm gonna forgive you, right? Because that's what I'm instructed to do. But you can also have a very open and honest conversation about what happened, right? So that maybe you can better understand them and they can better understand you. And the more that you do that, the better you will become at it, right? And just watch how your life just sort of seamlessly, right, fixes all of these issues, right, with people that have wronged you, maybe in the past, like I said, People have come back and they've apologized for things that have happened like 10 years ago. 
And it doesn't, it, it's not like, okay, all of a sudden now I forgive you. No, I had already forgiven you. But it is nice always to get that sense of closure, right? Because obviously it was eating the other person, right? But I wasn't carrying it for the past 10 years. You guys get what I'm saying? So I really hope that you guys take something from this and you apply it. And I hope that in your dealings, right, with people, right, even us here at church, right, like nobody's perfect. The church may wrong you once or twice, right? But as believers, we can't just read the word and say, okay, I get it, and then not actually use it or exercise it, right? That's when push comes to shove, right? That's when we're actually put to the test, right? That's when we actually distinguish ourselves from a believer and a non-believer. Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if the devil has read the Bible front through back, right? Remember when he was tempting Jesus and he was able to quote scripture? Like the devil knows this material. So do we, right? How do we separate ourselves from that? The difference is that we actually engage. We actually live it. We not only proclaim it, but we exercise it and people can see it. And as a result, we are a light to this world. Okay? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you again for a time like this. We thank you for 